Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your morning starts now. It's the Q102 Jeff and Jen podcast. Brought to you by CBG Airport. Start your trip at CBGAirport.com. Fran is longing for a second date with a guy named Mike. Good morning, Fran. Good morning. You obviously had a first date, at least one encounter with him that went well enough that you'd like to see him again, yet he's disappeared, yeah. I gather. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, he's he's great. I met him uh, through friends at like a, a happy hour. Uh, right away, right away, I noticed he was really charming. Um, very good looking. You noticed that. Nice. <laughs> um, he was sweet. So after a drink or two, we exchanged numbers. He called a little bit later, a couple days, I think, and then we and we made a date. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took me to Barisi's. It's like this great Italian place. I don't know if you know it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's um, been a long time, but I've been there at least once. I've never heard of it. Oh yeah, in Deer Park. It's, huh. It's good. Definitely worth checking out. <laughs> okay. um, we had uh, like a real, just like a really good time. I don't know. It was so much fun. I laughed a lot, um, really a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, this is where it's um, a little different. I he, he took me home. I, I invited him in, uh, but he he said no. Um, said he had to work the next day, and I, I didn't think too much of that because listen, we all work, <laughs> right? Right. Um, but uh, the the catch is, I I just. I haven't heard from him since, and I'm really kind of unsure about why or whatever. I mean, I thought we had a good time and stuff, so huh. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you hit it off in two, on two different occasions, right? You hit it off at the bar when you guys first met at the happy hour, right? Right. Yeah. And you said it felt pretty good at dinner, so that's two occasions, and then yeah. all of a sudden go. So do you think he's maybe dating more than one person? I don't know. I, I wouldn't be mad initially if he was, because that's kind of what people do, you know, but like... For him to drop off the face of the earth, you know, um, it's weird. It makes sense, you know, and especially going on more than one date, you know. Hopefully, you're not dating a ton of people then, and, and even if you are, like, why? I don't understand why we couldn't. He couldn't talk to me about it after two fun times, you know. Sure, I get that. Was there anything weird that happened, or any weird conversation moments that you can remember that you were like, "Oh, I wish I didn't have said that," or? Um, I mean, I don't think so. Not not unusual for any. A regular first date, you know, it's always, you feel like there's a spotlight on you when you're asking, like, so do you want to get married someday, have kids, that kind of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) true. You know, nothing, nothing that I thought, oh, I really made a wrong turn there or something. I thought it was pretty, pretty normal. And the conversation was easy. I mean, he's very funny and i and i was laughing a lot so that was nice cool that's good all right we'll tell you what we'll take a break and when we come back we'll try to get mike on the phone see what he thought of fran 
and his date with her. So hang tight. Put you on hold. We'll get the phone number, and we'll attempt Mike and see what he thought of Fran and his date with her. Coming up next with Jeff and Jen at Cincinnati's Q102. Yeah, so Fran met this guy, Mike, at a happy hour, and they hit it off right away. It was one of those instant chemistry things where they connected immediately, and he's very charming. He's got a magnetic personality, and Fran was into him from the get-go. So it wasn't difficult for Mike to get her phone number. He called a couple days later. I don't know if that was his way of playing it cool or if he just had other stuff going on, but they made a date. He took her to Barisi's in Blue... Or it's, I guess it's not Blue Eyes. It's Deer Park. Deer it's near Park. Blue Eyes. Yeah. 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 They had a great time. Laughed a lot. Very funny guy. Charming. Again, went back to her place to drop her off. She invited him in, but he didn't. He declined. That scares me a little bit because I remember on Sex in the City, Berger was like, listen, if I'm into you, I'm coming up. He said he had to work the next day. What can I tell you? Maybe he really had something going on. Maybe maybe he had an important meeting or something the next yeah. day. Who knows? Uh, either way, though, this is what we're going to do. We're going to try to call Mike and, and see if he'll talk to us and give us some insight into why he's suddenly gone quiet. Hello? Mike. Yeah. Jeff from the Jeff and Jen Morning Show. How are you? Who is this? Uh, this is Jeff Thomas. I'm with the Jeff and Jen Morning Show on Q102, and I'm here with our producer, Fritch, and Tim. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. <laughs> what, what is this about? We do a feature on our show. It's called Second Date Update, where if somebody goes on a date with someone and they have a great time and really enjoy themselves and are anticipating a second date and then it never comes, sometimes they'll call us and ask us to do a little digging for them and try to figure out why not. And we always feel confident on your second date with help from the plastic surgery group. Schedule a consultation at 513-791-4440 or at theplasticsurgerygroup.com. Surgery has an art. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I understand you went on a date with Fran, who thoroughly enjoyed your company, and I think she's a little bummed that she hasn't heard from you since your date at Barisi's. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, you guys... Uh... Sounds like you know a lot about it. Um. <laughs> well, we don't know that much. We we really have only heard her side of the story. I don't know if you've ever heard our our show, but let me just you know say from the get go here, we're not here to ambush you in any way that will embarrass you or make fun of you. We were just hoping that you might share with us, you know, what your thoughts were on Fran and and why you ghosted like that. Is there someone else, or have you just been busy? Um, you know she. She is beautiful and um, and so like really nice. She's a really sweet girl. But the big thing was this is gonna sound <laughs> sound funny, but she laughed a lot. Like and she she was like laughing a lot at like everything I said and you know, like I'm I, I I'm 
relatively funny, but I'm not that funny. Oh. She was just—it seemed like she was pushing really hard. No laughing, Jeff. Do you think? Do you think she was just nervous, maybe? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I get that too. But it, it seemed like there was something just really fake about it, oh. which then was just kind of a big turnoff. You know, like mm. I just didn't—I I wasn't sure if I was getting kind of the real her or not, and which sucked for me because I really do think she's beautiful, great girl. I really, you know, like wanted to connect with her, but I just felt like I couldn't get past the surface. Like, I don't feel like we got to really talk about anything. It's interesting that you say that because when we were talking to her, I did notice that she had this cute giggle that kind of felt like a nervous laughter. We should probably bring her into the conversation because, yeah. Mike, we have her on the line. I meant to tell you this from the get-go. I'm sorry, but she, she's <laughs> okay. She's here listening. And I listen, we appreciate your honesty, but this is important for Fran to hear. Are you still with us, Fran? Yeah, I'm here. I should tell you, Mike, she did find you very funny. She did mention that. Oh, yeah. yeah. She said you had a great <laughs> sense of humor. But enough for me, Fran. You go ahead. Okay. Um, well, hi, Mike. <laughs> um, I, hey, friend. There it is. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bit bad, but the truth is, I I, I laugh a lot when I get nervous. Um, so that's definitely something I do. It takes a little bit more time for me to, I don't know, open up, feel comfortable with somebody. Um, I, I like you as much as I can for us going out, and I thought it went well. And I guess I'd I'd like to give it a second chance and hopefully not giggle the entire time. I really think that once I, I get to know you a bit better, I'll calm down because you're not the first person that's kind of told me this. Okay. That's interesting. I, it kind of made me laugh like when in the beginning, I don't know if you noticed when she would giggle. It was cute. I thought it was endearing. Like, oh, he. Yeah, well, and it, I found it contagious. But I could see how over time, like you might think, okay, I can't tell if this is. But they tell you to laugh at their jokes when you're on dates. It's like a dating tip. Yeah, but guys are hip to that. They can usually tell if you're faking it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> but Mike, it's totally up to you. If you're willing to go out with Fran again, we'd love to pay for it. Give you guys an opportunity to get to know each other a little better and maybe get past the surface. The nervous we're part. Talking about. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's only two dates-ish. And no pressure. Look, I mean, if, you know, if you're honestly not into her. No, you know what? Honestly... I don't know. I had a I had a hard time deciding not whether or not I was gonna call her back or not. Anyway, it's not something I hadn't been thinking about anyway. So mm-hmm. okay, you know, I think it would be great if she feels up to it. Then I totally do. Cool, Fran. You still in? Yeah. I mean, I I think it sounds great. Cool. There's that laughing. <laughs> now she's gonna be so self conscious on this. I date. know. I was thinking the same thing. I hope she could relax on the date. Maybe I we know. should send him to like the art museum first. And then, like, maybe a fun thing. Something right. serious Take and then something really fun. Take a really depressing movie, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Go see The Revenant. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys are awesome. Listen, thank you so much. This actually was really easy today. I like the easy ones. So I will put – let's put Mike on hold. We'll set it up yeah, with him. Cool. Fran, you'll be hearing from Mike soon. Thanks for reaching out to the Jeff and Jen Morning Show, Fran. And, Mike, thank you for taking the call. Thank you. Of course. You thank got you it. All right. Good luck to you both. All right. So if we could ever do a second date update for you, give us a call at 513-749-2320, or you can email us, Jeff and Jen. There are two ends in Jen, Jeff mm-hmm. and Jen at WKRQ.com. This is very exciting. Margot Robbie from Suicide Squad. And, and let's not forget Pan Am. And Tarzan. <laughs> and yeah, she was in uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. 
Gorgeous, gorgeous girl. She said, I do to Tom Ackerley. It was a surprise wedding on Sunday. They met on the set of the World War II drama Sweet Fran. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know what this movie is. Uh, I've never heard of it, but it was in 2013. He was an assistant director, and she later described him as the best looking guy in London. So we're hearing that they got married in Australia because she's always wanted to get married near her grandparents' farm. Oh, that's nice. That is sweet. Hmm. All right. Well, after the split of its main stars, the end of Flip or Flop is looking pretty imminent, imminent, (laughs) at least for now, while the HGTV show's uh, central figures, the two main uh, hosts of the show, Tarek, and Christina recently confirmed their secret separation, which is amazing to me how they were able to manage that for as long as they did. Now people are asking what's going to happen with the show, which has been been on the air for about the past three years. Uh, we do know that the show is scheduled to last beyond 2016, but don't count on any 10-year run. According to multiple sources, there are episodes that will be filmed in the new year just to fulfill contractual obligations, but their intention is that the show will end after that. Hmm. Hmm. You knew that was coming. They can't keep working together if they don't like each other. In a joint statement, they said, like many couples, we have had our challenges in the marriage, and we had an unfortunate misunderstanding about six months ago, and the police were called to our house in an abundance of caution. But there was no violence and no charges were filed. This is the incident, if you recall, when police were called after Christina saw Tarek uh, remove a handgun from a safe and run outside. He was quickly spotted by police in a helicopter, ordered to drop his weapon. He later also voluntarily relinquished all of his firearms to authorities. Uh, She says Tarek did not make any threatening statements to her, and he did not make any comments about hurting himself or anyone else. That, according to the incident report, she also denied that Tarek had ever been suicidal. So while they have since decided to separate as they evaluate the future of the marriage, the two say they're going to make it work in front of the camera. The exes were married for seven years. They have two children, daughter Taylor, who was six, and son Braden, who was 15 months. As for the show, no word on what will happen beyond 2016. That's a good mm. show. I like mm-hmm. that one. Yeah. They're pretty good at flipping, aren't they? What's weird is the sh- they barely spend any time together on the show. Mm-hmm. Like the, the show is what, an hour? Is it an hour show? I think they're half hours. Half hour show. They There's like one scene where they like buy the house together and then she comes in and goes, oh yeah, you got to put this tile in and then that's the end. Wow. The rest of it always is- shows her like coming from a workout or picking yeah. up their kid He's or the one she was out work. shopping. Yeah. He's the one busting down the walls. But she does the, the staging of the home too. Mm. Or... They make it look like she does the staging, I should say. (laughs) She probably does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rob Kardashian is apologizing for his social media blowout fight with Black China. He posted a picture of him with China on Instagram, and he captioned the, the picture with a pretty candid admission. He said, this weekend, I was in an emotional bad place and did some things that embarrassed myself and my family, he wrote. I apologize, and I'm seeking help to deal with my flaws slash issues. Please pray for me, and I'm sorry. Black China, you are a great mother to her child, and I love you. Then he also shared a separate picture of daughter Dream taking a bath. He says, I'm going to do better for you, Dream. You are my life, and gave me a new start on being a better me. Love you. Now, um, 
I mean, he is saying that, I mean, he's really falling on the sword for this. And for those of us that are a little bit skeptical as to whether or not all of this is real, he wrote on Instagram and alongside a, a clip of one of his Snapchat videos. And this isn't for some ratings. This is my real life. So please understand. Oh. I'm just being open right now. Because well. if it was for ratings, I wouldn't explain all this here. And with China's messages and her leaving with everything and the baby, I am broken. Well, if he says it's not for ratings. Yeah, then it's not for ratings. But that makes me even sadder. Yeah. You know. I think he's severely troubled and has been for a while. He has a lot of different issues. And that's what China's mom is even saying. I mean, she's jumping into this and she's like, listen, he's emotionally disturbed. He uh, searches through China's phone all the time. He's a very emotional guy with many, many personal issues. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've been open about that on the Kardashian show. Wouldn't that- you growing up in that family? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But I- she's China's mom does think they're going to end up back together and everything's going to be fine. But wish them the best. Yeah, I do. Debbie. Yes. Welcome to Jeff and Jen's Faker for Real. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Doing great. We're doing great, Debbie. I got your three headlines here. If you can tell us which one is the real one, you're going to sit in the second row at the Trans-Siberian Orchestra show tomorrow. Is that cool with you? Very cool. All right. Let's do it then. Is the real one A. 80-year-old grandmother attacks daughter-in-law with spatula for screwing up her coleslaw recipe. Is it B, woman kicked out of mall for pulling Mrs. Claus's hair and accusing her of sleeping with her husband? Or C, news anchors gag on air over co-workers' horrible holiday artichoke dip? I have to go with Grandma. Grandma? No, it wasn't Grandma. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it, it was Santa? the news anchors. Oh, no. Yep. Gagging live oh. on air. It was lovely. Oh. Yeah, this is a morning news team out of Calgary, Canada. The network, I guess, is Global News, and their traffic reporter, Leslie Horton, sub- subjected her, her co-anchors to this homemade <laughs> artichoke dip that I guess was just awful. Meteorologist Jordan Witzel was the first to break as he nearly lost his lunch after sampling it. <laughs> I'll play the audio from the segment. It was pretty bad. So this is artichoke dip. Okay, so you think that that's okay, right? Is that too much for you, George? That's a lot. Why <laughs> me? I, I can't do this. How does it smell, Scott? It's like vinegar or something. So I nervous. thought it smelled like a barn. But tell, why are we not being rude? We, sh- we have no, no, it didn't work out. I'm telling you right work. now, Sorry. this did not work out. So she's admitting that this is not good. She's admitting it's bad, and he eats it anyway. She's giving him a heads up. Um, so uh, it's artichoke. Too much. Dip. Too much. <laughs> So he just put it in his mouth. He just bit into this. Uh, he they, they spread it all over a cracker. Um, <laughs> and instantly, this guy just doubles over. Is it edible? <laughs> yeah, at first, I'm like, well, it's not that bad, but the vinegar. But there's no vinegar in there. So here's what happens. <laughs> That's like all that I can taste uh-huh. is vinegar. He's gagging. Uh-huh. <laughs> now he is like physically gagging on the set, and this stuff is still in his mouth. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I can't swallow it. He can't swallow it. I'm not trying to be rude here. It's okay. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. And he had no choice but to spit it into a napkin at this point. It's artichoke dip, but something went terribly wrong. How are you enjoying it, Amber? (laughs) 
It burns. <laughs> it burns. <laughs> this is not good. So she said, I don't know what, it, they, they seem to be complaining about this vinegar taste that it has to it. She swears there's no vinegar in it, so but something fermented, some ingredient in oh. that. She, well, it didn't she use an orange instead of a lemon? She so I did. I wonder how but, that changes the... Chemistry, or yeah. if she just started off with some bad artichokes. <laughs> yeah, hard that's what to say. It sounds like. Ugh. All right, we have a lot of other stuff to get you caught up on. We have a classic second date update for you. We got all classic second date updates this week, this last week as we head into our Christmas break. So that's on the other side of the break. Sunny skies in the meantime. Expected later today. We'll see a high of 37. It is 14 with Jeff and Jen at Cincinnati's Q102. <laughs> All right, Cincinnati's Q102. It's Jeff Jen Morning Show, 806. We're looking at sunny skies today. We'll see a high around 37. It is 14 with Jeff and Jen. And as we've been talking about all morning, we have these uh, we have these Hatchimals. We had one yesterday, and we have one today. Yeah, the Hatchimal is the big gotta have. Gotta, gotta have it. Every This thing is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one we auctioned off yesterday went for $700, which is pretty amazing. Of course, all of the money going to... To a great organization, the Ken Anderson Alliance, and today we have another organization. That's right. Uh, My charity today is the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, which is, this is an incredible organization that does a lot for kids who have been abused, and this is an organization I really fell in love with a lot this year. I've had a chance to really get to know uh, Rick and Ann and the gang that work there and, and the amazing work that they're doing. And one of the reasons why this organization is so important to me, I thought I would use this as an opportunity to share a little bit about myself and one of the main reasons why organizations like the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, I think, are so important. So with your permission, I would like to get very personal with you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people ask me, I've told this story before, I told this story at the Mad Hatterball a couple I guess it was last month. Mm-hmm. This was their their big annual party, which raises money for the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. And I share with people how I got into radio because that's probably the question that people ask me the most. How did you get it? That's such a cool job. That seems seems like you guys have so much fun. How did you even get into radio? I grew up in a household that always had a radio on, so the radio in the background was just part of the soundtrack of our home and long before radios had digital displays on them they 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 actually had a dial that would tell you what station you were on and most dials would have a backlight so that you could see what station you were listening to in the dark and for some reason the backlight behind the dial fascinated me as a kid because my early Probably my earliest childhood memory was peering into that glowing radio dial, hoping that I could catch a glimpse of the tiny people that I was convinced were living inside of that box, singing and dancing and talking. And my mother tells me that as soon as I was old enough to talk, I would grab a magic marker or a pen or a hairbrush or a wooden spoon anything that remotely resembled a microphone, and I would mimic everything that I heard on the radio. 
I've just uh, I've just always been attracted to this medium. I love this job. I was fascinated by how it worked. And as I as I got older and I developed an understanding of radio, it just seemed like an exciting cool way to make a living. So my hometown's high school just outside of Boston, this is in Maynard, Massachusetts. They had a they still have a 10 watt educational student run radio station and the school's av department head sort of served as the station's faculty advisor and every year the radio station would host a fundraiser for a local charity and the deal was they would give away free airtime to anyone who made a donation so when i was in the fourth grade i convinced my stepfather to give me a few bucks so that i could make a donation that would allow me to talk on the radio how cool would that be so the next thing I know, I'm sitting in this little booth in the, in, the, in the radio studio at the high school. I got a pair of headphones on, and I am reading Peter Cottontail live on a real radio station. And that had to have been the biggest moment of my life. So the faculty advisor is watching all of this go down from nearby, and he can see how excited I am to be there. And he turns to my stepfather, who's standing there, and he says, listen. The rules are that he has to be in high school to qualify for his own time slot. And he's only in the fourth grade. But I can see how eager and excited he is. So I can't give him his own time slot. But if he wants to hang out here after school and watch the kids work or even act as maybe like a gopher, he can come by here after school anytime. So, so every day, as soon as my homework was finished, I would run to the high school And I would make an absolute pest of myself at the radio station. I would offer to put the records away because that's what we played. We played records. We didn't have CDs. I would alphabetize the 45s. I would answer the request line. I would empty out the wastebasket. I would make a food run for whoever the kid was that was on the air. And most of the older high school kids thought I was ridiculously annoying. But they tolerated me. This girl, Pauline, was a senior who was working at the radio station. She offered to help me study for my FCC broadcaster's license. Back then, you would have to have a license to operate a radio transmitter, radio station. So the faculty, the the station's faculty advisor, he said, listen, if you study hard, work with Pauline, and then we're gonna we make a yearly trip into Boston. We go to the FCC field office in Boston. You take a test. If you pass the test, we'll make an exception for you, and we will let you co-host a one-hour show once a week after school. Even though the rules limited access to high school kids, And I was never more excited to study anything in my life. And keep in mind that I was nine. And I struggled with academics. Academics were hard for me. I have dyslexia. So things just take me longer. And my brain works differently. And it sees things differently. So school was hard for me in that way. Yet when it came to this Somehow I managed to learn everything there was to know about obscenity laws, how to calculate the station's transmitter readings, the rules and procedures for the emergency broadcast system, even what to do if a light bulb on the tower went out. 
And so on October 25th of 1977, just before I turned 10, I took the test at the FCC field office in Boston. I aced it, and I got my third-class FCC operator's license. Huge victory. Meanwhile, life at home was sometimes tough, and I don't talk about this a lot. My biological father had abandoned us years earlier, and my mother's second husband was an alcoholic, and he was sometimes physically abusive. So the radio station provided a kind of escape for me. And the radio station was a way that I could connect with people. And it was also the first thing that I ever excelled at. So you can imagine the joy that brought me. So one day the radio station's faculty advisor asked me to go for a ride with him. You know, and this is uh, this guy. He's the he's the AV department head. So, you know, it's it's not that unusual for him to take a kid on an errand with him. To, you know, I got to run these film projectors over from one building to the other. Sound equipment. It wasn't uncommon for him to make a food run and buy pizza for the kids working at the station late. And strangely, nobody seemed to think it was weird that some of the boys working at the radio station would go on ski weekends with him and stay at his cabin in New Hampshire. Every one of these kids' parents trusted this guy. And they thought this guy was the perfect big brother, the perfect mentor for their sons. So when he asked me to run an errand with him, I was flattered. Yeah, I was I was flattered that he would ask me out of all the other kids because it meant that look, this is me. I'm going to get one on one time with the coach, you know. And that was the day that I first became a victim of sexual abuse. Whenever the topic of sexual abuse comes up, you hear people rattle off statistics. Ninety percent of children who are sexually abused are done so by someone they know or someone they trust, or someone they love. This guy was a man that I trusted. He was definitely a man that I admired. But this was also a guy who had immense power over me because he could take away the very things that mattered most to me. Sexual predators, you probably heard this before too, sexual predators, you know how they often give special gifts to draw children to them. So the gifts that he tempted me with was the chance to do the one thing I was actually good at, to be part of a team, approval, acceptance, friends. And that was a big deal for a socially awkward kid that didn't excel in anything else. So the prospect of losing those things terrified me. So with every muscle in my body clenched tight, just closed my eyes. And I pretended I was somewhere else. 
paralyzed. And numb. It felt like my soul had left my body. It felt filthy. Violated. I was afraid to tell anyone because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I was afraid people wouldn't believe me or worse, think that I had somehow invited his advances. And I was terrified that I would lose everything that mattered to me. So I convinced myself that it didn't actually happen. And I did that again the second time he molested me. And the time after that. And the time after that. So over time, I learned how to dodge and weave I became this expert at avoidance. I'd set my volunteer hours at the radio station during times that I knew he wouldn't be there. Learned how to fly under the radar. Learned how to disappear. I learned how to Houdini. Forever suspicious of any special attention I would get from adult males. Eventually, and I mean years later eventually, my abuser lost interest in me. But by that time, I was a pretty confused, troubled kid. Never told a soul about what happened to me, but I was convinced that I didn't have to because everyone already knows. The abuse that I endured, it, it felt as though it left this visible stain that the whole world could see. It really felt like this is not a joke. It felt like I had a giant tattoo on my forehead marking me as dirty, damaged goods. Even worse, that I was someone deserving of abuse. So I felt increasingly self-conscious and even more socially awkward than I did before. If that was even possible, I became withdrawn, angry, and racked with guilt. And let me share this with you. With my adult brain, I can sit here and I can look at you and have a conversation with you. I intellectually process that I was a, I don't like to use the word victim, we'll use the word survivor of sexual abuse. But a lot of us who are survivors of abuse, we battle these demons of self-hatred for years that come from the misguided belief that the abuse was somehow our fault, especially if it comes from someone that we love. So can you imagine the psychological impact on a child, particularly the extreme confusion that comes with knowing and trusting the person who abused you and the power someone like that has to take away the things that you hold dear? That's why I'm sharing this story with you. I know it's ugly, and I know it's uncomfortable to listen to. And you know, talking about this publicly isn't easy either. But many of the kids in treatment at the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, 
They have such a hard time admitting to their therapist that the person or persons who hurt them the most, whether it was physical abuse or sexual abuse or emotional abuse, were people that they loved. A mom, a dad, a brother. And so that leads to self-hatred and it leads to self-blame and feelings of insignificance and unimportance. And that leads to other severe behavioral health issues like depression, self-harm, suicidal ideations. These are the kids that the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky are trying to heal and protect and save. Right this minute, over 8,000 children, 8,000 kids in Kentucky are in some kind of out-of-home care this very moment because they've experienced abuse, neglect, or other trauma in their own homes. And some are with their grandparents, which is good. That's the, you know, you want to get them in some kind of extended family, but that's not always possible. Some are in foster care, but half of those 8,000 kids are going to bed tonight in a group residential facility like the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. And while the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky team, they have 120 healthcare professionals. And they've dedicated their lives to ending this cycle of abuse and neglect. But the problem is the job is simply, it's too big for them to handle alone. It, it really requires all of our help because as, as we're sitting around here having this conversation, every 10 seconds, a report of child abuse is being made. And today alone, on this day in 2016, five children in the U.S. will die because of abuse and neglect. So as far as my story goes, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for the youth pastors, the mentors, the strong male role models that God placed in my life that managed to overcome my distrust and show me that not all adult men are bad. These are people in my life that empowered me. They helped me put back the pieces. They helped me build self-confidence. They taught me how to channel my anger in positive and productive ways. I'm thankful for my mom, who was a survivor of physical abuse herself, a woman who loves me unconditionally. She is my biggest advocate, and she passed on to me a foundation of faith that has enabled me to heal and forgive. And listen, having a great therapist helped too. But I'll tell you what, not everybody is as lucky as I was to have that kind of support. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's why the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky is so important to this community. Because without CHNK, I am telling you, hundreds of abused, neglected, and at-risk kids each year, they wouldn't have the kind of access we're talking about here to therapists and case managers and child psychiatrists who, by the way, these, these are folks that are specifically trained in this kind of trauma-informed care. But those individuals and the programs they run at the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky, they, it wouldn't be possible without donations from people like you. So this is why I'm sharing the story. If I don't share the story, if I don't channel it into something positive, then it's just this bad, awful thing that happened to me. 
So I'm using this to be an instrument of change. This this freaking Hatchimal that everybody is so desperate to get their hands on because it's the hottest toy of the decade, it seems. The hundreds of dollars that people are willing to drop on this thing. It's mind-boggling. And what an opportunity, right? What an opportunity to be able to raise money for an organization like the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. So, this is it. If you're determined to get your hands on a Hatchimal and you haven't had any luck finding it in a store... Instead of spending the hundreds of dollars on eBay or online to get your hands on this thing, then we're asking you to bid on it so that we can take the money that we raise and give that to the Children's Home of Northern Kentucky. Because I'll tell you what, the kind of oof, the kind of work they're doing over there, they are angels in the truest sense of the word. So we've got a phone, we've got social media platform, we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter. Tim, how do you want people to bring in these donations? It doesn't matter. We'll take them. You, you can send smoke signals across from the river. We'll, <laughs> we'll take we'll smoke take signals. <laughs> Carrier pigeons. Uh, give us a ring. You send can a, email us. Send us an email, Jeff and Jen at WKRQ.com. Where do you guys think? It, where do you want to start the bidding? You want to do yesterday? yesterday we started two hundred. You want to do two hundred? Yeah, let's start there. All right. I hope we can raise a lot more than that. Thank you for sharing your story, though, too, Jeff. That was very. I appreciate you listening. Yeah. No, I mean I knew a little bit about it, but the way that you have just spoke about it, it was very like moving to listen to you. We've never really speak talked about it. about it here. I know that I've yeah. mentioned it before, and I've talked about how that's a part of my. But we've never really had a conversation about it. And while I've shared it with other groups and individuals this i just think that if you know if, if you've been a fan of the show and if you listen and you want to know me that's a that's a part of my life that i wanted to share for this very reason so we'll start the bidding at 200 for this hatchimal the proceeds they all go to the children's home of northern kentucky bidding increments bucks. what do you think it's 20 20 dollar yeah. bidding increments 20. yeah that'll work 513 749 Thanks for listening to the Q102 Jeff and Jen Morning Show Podcast, brought to you by CBG Airport. Start your trip at CBGAirport.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.